Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. We are live here on One Royal Way, here for Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Josh Geiser joining me as always. Jordan Foote, unfortunately, could not join us today due to some prior obligations, but we'll have an episode out later next week, and Jordan will be on that one. Josh, we got real big-time news to talk about over this last week. They've been cooking over there at the real One Royal Way at Coffin Stadium bringing in some guys for the 2024 season. I uh, don't know what to do with my hands, Joel. Yes, I <laughs> don't know what to do with my hands. This is a weird reality we're living in right now as Royals fans. Uh, the motives behind it are very obvious, but at yeah. least they're being recognized and they're doing it. So I'm into it. I'm absolutely into it. Pretty much the entirety of last season we talked about how, and the team talked about how this was a year of evaluation. We need to figure out where we are at with this current roster and then we can make moves and and go from there beyond 2024, 2024 and beyond. And it is very clear that they are trying to fill gaps and fill needs for this season and for the next couple of years with mul- a lot of multi-year signings. This is not just a bunch of one-year deals, patching a hole and then probably flipping guys in, in July and August. This is, this is a multi-year thing that they're trying to build here with a lot of this, and I love it. This is an aggressive swing on a few of these guys and swings the Royals normally don't make. They're, the Royals don't spend like this in free agency very often. Now, it's not like we're committing $70 million a year to somebody like the Dodgers just did for Shohei Otani, but to see $15, $16 million a- a- average annual value, not something that you see very often coming out of Kansas City. So this is a step in the right direction. A ton of credit should be given to J.J. Piccolo in the front office and John Sherman as well for opening up the checkbook a little bit to try and make this a much more viable, competitive team than the 56-116 that we watched last season. And it was like the the fault in this 2023 team was blaringly obvious. It was the pitching. They said it going into the offseason. They need to address starting pitching. They need to rebuild the bullpen. They might add a bat as well. But, boy, they said they were going to be aggressive. They said how much they, like a minimum, more or less, what they had to spend. And they are in on Seemingly everybody in that, uh, you know, you know, B tier and down. It's yeah, mid tier range. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which in the past has been different. Like they were like, yeah, it makes sense if they went and looked at this B tier guy, but they'll probably stick with the C and D tier. But nah, they were in on Strowman, Giolito, Waka, all the Lugo, all these dudes, and they were pursuing them aggressively, which was a nice change of pace. I, especially considering how it started with the Garrett Hampson signing, I was like. What I, this is going to be the same old stuff. We're just going to get the same stuff, and it's just going to be mouth service, lip service, and, and that has not been the case. They went out there and started laying um, genitalia on the table, if you will, and started making these changes and rebuilding this pitching staff. And I just can't get enough. Yeah, seeing it not be just lip service solely uh, to me is a welcome change. Uh, I appreciate the honesty with which JJ has operated over the past year since he's taken over general manager. And I know some people have their opinions about him, but told us last year, look, we're further behind than we realize. We really need to evaluate where we're at going forward. And they sure did. 
And I think we're seeing where that evaluation process is at, bringing in these guys. Six major league contracts given out for Kansas City. It's the most in Major League Baseball. The most by far. By by far. Yeah, I think the next. Like anybody else, yeah, worry about. It's kind of crazy. There are at least two thirds of Major League Baseball haven't even done anything yet. So this is the Royals are, are wheeling and dealing, and we can't thank them enough for it because otherwise we'd be sitting around not talking to you guys at all for at least another couple of months. So we're going to go waiting online about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Airing our grievances. And I, yeah, it was starting to happen already, but boy, did it started, uh, start happening when it started happening real quick after the winter meetings. So I know that the winter meetings were fairly quiet, but right after you can see, they started to to make some of these moves before we get into the uh, free agent moves that they have made. Can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough for sponsoring this show. Day one supporters here for us here at KCSN. Be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. One of the best places, if not the best place in the area around for that type of training. We'll start with the Garrett Hampson move that happened a couple of days after our most recent show where we talked about the Kyle Wright and uh, trade and Nick Anderson moves. Now go back and listen to that episode. There was some of the those are some of the first moves that the Royals made this offseason. Garrett Hampson is a guy that played for the Colorado Rockies for a while, came up as a, a top prospect in that system, got non-tendered, played in Miami last year, and had a had a fairly decent year, right at about league average hitter, slash 276, 349, 380. Played everywhere except first base and catcher for the Miami Marlins. So you're getting a ton of positional versatility. He is he has played a lot of shortstop in the past in Colorado, played some in Miami this past year when they made the decision to move Jazz Chisholm out to uh, center field. So this is not a move that is like moving the needle for me whatsoever. This is your Matt Duffy type, like going to move him around a little bit. He's not going to play every day, but a guy that can play pretty much any position if you need him to in a pinch. He, you know, can handle the bat well enough. He walks a fair amount. He walked 9% last year. Uh, For a guy with a lot of speed, he doesn't steal a lot of bases, I wonder if the Royals being one of the more aggressive teams in Major League Baseball when it comes to stealing bases, maybe they try and get him to do that a little bit more. But it, you know, I think it's a fine move. Like it's $2 million. There's no such thing as a bad one year deal. You, you see where it goes. And for a bench guy with the positional versatility, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's $2 million. So even if they DFA him to make room for Hunter Renfro, which would be a very strange use of $2 million, but. It wouldn't be a killer. It is a head-scratching move to me. Um, it seemed like we had plenty of guys that could provide not much from the bat and play multiple positions, but you're kind of, I guess, combining that. This guy, uh, Garrett Hampson, can play, like you said, all the positions outside of first base and catcher. So you guys got Nick Lofton, you know, second base, third base, first base, left field. Uh, Smod Taylor, second base, center field. You got multiple guys that have multiple positions of uh, uh, eligibility, and you just bring in a guy that can do that. So maybe that's where their head's at. They kind of combined, and it's just one more flexible roster spot they could use. Uh, you mentioned the speed. He does not, you know, steal many bases, and he's the 98th percentile of sprint sprint speed. So it is why it is. Like, it is. Yeah, that's weird. Very fast. Um, but his base running value last year was one, which is similar to Mike Massey and Edward Olivares. So he is it's not so weird to me, man. It's not a functional speed. It's like Billy Burns uh, a oh, few years ago, 
very fast guy, but just doesn't use it outside of defense. So, uh, yeah, I, it was a head scratch for me at the time. Still not real sure where it fits in. Trying to get wrap my head around where their you know mentality is on it, but um, it, it's it's depth. It's veteran depth. The guy's been around the block a little bit, so um, it is what it is. I'm fine. Whatever. Yeah, Matt Duffy got 191 at bats last season. I bet he's going to be probably in that range around 150 to 200 playing you know a couple yeah. times a week and he had and some it, he had some upside with the bat i mean yeah he, like he's a it's not a power but there's a de- there's enough contact that it's not like it's a black hole in the lineup if you put him in there a couple times a week yeah it's fine the, Next, the weird the funny thing about garrett hampson is he had like a 101 wrc plus last year you know right there at average and that came on a 379 bat bit so it's not going – that's not sustainable. That will yeah. not happen. So you're probably looking at more of like the 64s is what he'd done prior to, prior to that in Colorado for a lot of those games. So yeah, I, I'm not looking for much at the plate. So uh, it's going to be a defensive versatility type of thing, I think. Next move, and this this guarantees the Royals a 2024 World Series. If you know, you know. Uh, they side reliever Will Smith uh, at Reunion. Will Smith made his big league debut with the Royals about a decade ago. Uh, before getting shipped off to Milwaukee, I believe it was. I can't remember the exact trade that it happened, but I remember that being the case. One year, $5 million. Uh, this, to me, is, I think, a indicative of how they view these young guys in the bullpen. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I think James MacArthur, John McMillan, Carlos Hernandez, Stephen Cruz, these guys that have like back-end stuff, I think they view them as closers of the future but I don't know if they're ready to take on that role yet. So bringing in a guy that it has this experience for the large portion of his career has been a eighth, ninth inning guy, high level situations, big spots, obviously in the playoffs for, for Will Smith, take some pressure off of those guys and go, Hey, we can throw you out there in the eighth inning and then open the door for Will Smith in the ninth and we're good to go. And then say, you know, the opportunity opens up to, you know, trade and flip Will Smith at the deadline. Now you have, you know, experience for MacArthur, McMillan, whoever else they want to throw out in the ninth inning. It, it, I think taking some of that pressure off of them is going to be a big deal. It's kind of what they did with Chapman last year uh, in certain spots and Barlow to a degree where you have guys with that experience and trying to work the young guys into those spots. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a great move. And if we'll see yeah. whatever he has left in the tank, I think you're going to, you're going to rock with. Yep. hundred percent. And that is an absolute, uh, trade ship hopefully when it comes trade deadline time uh maybe not going to get much for him he's been steadily de- declining or regressing uh, over over the last few seasons but he got tons of posting experience as you said he kind of really leaned into that sl- really good slider last year which was very mm-hmm. compelling um but i think you're right i think it's just a good solid signing that is going to allow the royals not to rely on the very risky profiles that they have currently they have a bunch of guys that can throw absolute fire have great stuff but they don't have control of it that is the opposite of will smith um he's just good steady reliever that can absolutely you know get you consistent outs in that bullpen bring that experience and and hopefully rub off on those guys that you you know may need a little bit of guidance uh there in that bullpen so good solid sighting one year five million dollars easy money Interesting thing, yeah. Will Smith's slider run value last year for the Texas Rangers was 17 17 that is bright red on baseball savant for those as well that enjoy that <laughs> website. Um, yeah, breaking ball run value 97th percentile uh, regarding that slider. So yeah. good good to see there. 
they made another move for the bullpen. They went back to the well for Texas Rangers relievers and went and got Chris Stratton. Uh, one year, three and a half million dollars with a player option for four and a half million in 2025. Guy coming off a, a pretty decent year, 64, uh, 64 games, nearly a strikeout per uh, per inning pitch in 82 and two thirds innings, 392 ERA. Guy with that absolute hammer of a curveball and spins the, his fastball pretty well too. Uh, I think the the yeah the run value on his four seamer was ten. So a guy, again, it's it's a one year deal, and if you, if he's good and wants to come back, hey, you got you know four and a half million dollars for a reliever that has some back end experience too, you take it. Uh, this is again taking some pressure off of some of these younger guys, or it's telling you that how they view some of these younger relievers or pitchers that they have given plenty of opportunity to uh, that have not either run with it or they are just not good enough at this point. Uh, this And this is what you have to do is fill out a bullpen with viable options. How many times did we watch Cole Reagans last year or Brady Singer have a great start and it's 6-1 to one and we're going, oh God, are they going to be able to hold on to this? Like, if at least with Will Smith and Chris Stratton, sure, the game may not go your way every time, but you feel a little bit better having more known commodities in there coming out of the bullpen that are not terrifying the second that they hit the mound. Yeah. No, they're solid, not flashy, not sexy by any means. It's not not that that four seam you mentioned is only a 93 miles per hour pitch. Um, so it's not going to overwhelm you. But I do want someone to dissect what is good about it because it's undeniable. It is a very, very good fastball. And maybe that's some of the you know motivation here is he does have a good fastball shape. Maybe he can teach some other guys how to uh, tweak their stuff and, and rub off on it like, uh, like Will Smith can. But more of a fly ball pitcher last year, 45.6, which is going to be beneficial in Kauffman Stadium yes, with that with that athletic fielder uh, outfield as well. Um, so I think that's also another good signing. Solid, again, not flashy, not sexy by any means. So those were the three kind of lower tier moves, kind of the moves we expect, like those kind of one-year expected moves. We got a couple multi-year deals coming up here we're going to talk about right after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. 
Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Be sure to hit that like button and hit that subscribe button down below. We really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, maybe on your lunch break or later on today uh, on this awesome Friday. And if you have, if you are watching live with us, be sure to hit some questions in the chat, in the live chat, and Josh and I will talk about uh, and answer some of those uh, there at the end after we hit these next three free agent moves. This was the big one. This was one we talked about a little bit last year as well uh, for an offseason wish list move. Uh, but Seth Lugo signs with the Kansas City Royals three years, $45 million. There was an opt-out after 2025, so there, this is a essentially a 2-for-30, can turn into a 3-for-45. Lugo was a starter, predominantly a reliever with the Mets for the for major part of his career. He goes to San Diego on a one-year deal last year and started. Through about 130 innings, struck out, uh, I don't have the exact number for me, but struck out 23%, walked 6%. So very good damage control. Some of the batted ball data is not great, but his ability to limit damage makes you kind of not necessarily look away from it, but it's not as concerning considering he doesn't walk a lot of batters and doesn't allow a lot of free passes. Absolute hammer of a curveball. That is really his calling card. Uh, it can run the fastball up into the you know mid-90s when he needs to. Most of works in the low, low nines. This is the type of move that the Royals needed to make a veteran, steady veteran guy. And because he was a reliever for so long, like you're looking at a guy that's 32, 33 years old, and you're thinking, oh, it's actually 34, my bad. He's 34 yeah. years old, and you're thinking, oh, do we really want to give him a three-year deal? But he has he doesn't have the mileage that a lot of uh, guys his age do because he hasn't been a starter for that long. So you might be able to get three years of starts out, out of Seth Lugo and it not bite you. And it takes some pressure off of Cole Reagans as well at the top of the rotation. And even if you don't, like we talked about it in a year, like you you get one year uh, of Lugo at the starting or at, in the rotation and then maybe one or two of him in the bullpen, perfectly fine. He seems to be effective yes. out there. I, I think his stuff can still play up at that age. Like you said, the tread's you know still, still there. But the thing that kind of jumped out to, about this to me and we can kind of group this in with the Waka signing, but 
they don't, neither one of them really K guys. They do have the ability to strike guys out, but it's not their, you know, forte by any means. Yeah. Um, they also don't walk guys. So you can be in a game way longer potentially with these two guys way more often than you could with like the singer potential blowups, the Jordan Lyles eventual blowups, the, the, circus of nasty that they kept trotting out last year um it kind of really and marcus talked about this on his uh twitter spaces earlier is like it just raises the floor of that rotation that is yes. nail on the head right there you can allow cole riggins to come along and develop and and you know become the guy you want him to be maybe you can get you know singer you don't you're not relying on him to be the opening day starter anymore maybe that helps his development as well you push jordan lyles down to the five spot that is absolutely going to help him, I think, at this point. So you're really lengthening and deepening that rotation. You're pushing Lynch and Bubich. You're not needing them to start you know, producing right now out of the gate. So that's really, really good. But in regards to Lugo, he throws a four seam. Like you said, the curve. He's got a sinker, slider, change, and a sweeper. The slider and the sweeper are both pretty underwhelming pitches, which is what this group does. That's what Brian Sweeney, Zach Bove, and Mitch Stetter do. They can absolutely revamp that slider and maybe unlock and leave a little bit more value in that, uh, in that Seth Lugo. So maybe at this point this year, this time next year, maybe we're looking at this signing as the big sign of the offseason that really, really got the got the ball rolling. Well, we'll stick in the starting rotation here. Now, Michael Walker was the other uh, rotation move, and that one was announced today. Two years, $32 million. So there's an opt-out after 2024. So you're looking at about a one for 16, at least at a minimum. And again, that's that's $31 million right there to two starting rotation pieces, which is, again, not something we normally see from the Royals. A good sign, a welcome sign, just not something we're used to. So it's very, very odd seeing those numbers come across and seeing it being the Royals. Walker was a guy that, you know, is the career's kind of been up and down, been odd. Uh, but really found a place in San Diego last year as well in that same rotation with Seth Lugo. Uh, 134 in a third innings, that's the most he's thrown in, in quite a while. Uh, the injury bug has really been the the thing for him, but when he's healthy, when he was healthy last year, he was one of the better pitchers in baseball. The changeup is what he has really leaned on. It was his primary pitch last year next to the fastball. Again, doesn't walk guys, doesn't give up a ton of damage, and it it's kind of similar to Lugo in that you know, if you're not walking, guys, even if you give up a couple of hits, if you're not giving up free passes, you're normally going to be able to stay in games a hell of a lot longer. So similar floor raiser to what Seth Lugo is. And if you're looking at this rotation right now, Cole Reagans, Seth Lugo, Michael Walker, Brady Singer, Jordan Lyles, or Daniel Lynch, that's a really good rotation for what the Royals are and what they need. Like That is league average I'd say like league average or maybe like a hair above. And that can make you very viable, very competitive, especially in the AL Central. This is not a good division. It has not raised its scene whatsoever uh, this offseason so far. I'm not saying the Royals are going to go out there and win the AL Central, but can they at least be frisky and competitive into July if this rotation stays healthy? Absolutely. Which I think that's all we're asking for at this point is just give us... <laughs> Pardon me. Give us something to talk about in July. Be frisky. That's all we're wanting. Be a little frisky. Don't the season doesn't be over at June. That's all we're asking here. That just little commitment. That it, it is 
very good to see. And with Waka, I mean, you mentioned the changeup, but he also throws the four seam sinker, cutter, and curve. I did not say a slider in that that repertoire. So maybe you can unlock a little bit with him too. I got to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No slider whatsoever, but he does throw a cutter, which are, you know, similar grips, but not completely there. Um, so maybe you add that unlock low value in Waka. Maybe he shows out and then you can potentially, I mean, depending on where we are in the season, flip him and his player option for next year and to, to do a contender. And those starters have massive hauls on that trade market there at the deadline. So if you're able to potentially trade a guy with one year control because you've got Bubich back at that point, maybe Lynch is dealing down in Omaha at that point. Uh, maybe Venez Yato, Alec Marsh, all these guys are potentially doing work in this organization that puts you in a position to potentially deal a guy like Michael Walker, um, that would be ultimately, you know, if they're not even contending, that's the ultimate best case scenario, I think. But you're right. It's they're wily. They're in the mix. They're, they're doing things that we have wanted them to do for a long time. I've got a running like spreadsheet of like the F4 projections for the year. I've got this current roster at 31.6, whereas I think the 42.4 is kind of the threshold. That's what you should be looking to bar. So I think that they still have some work to do um, in general, but they are in the mix in a very weak division. Minnesota was still at a 44.5 combined F4 last year, so it's not not as big of a cakewalk as we are maybe you know portraying it to be. Yeah, I'm not trying to make it that way, but... But yeah, yeah, I think just making it interesting and like not making it Minnesota's division on April 17th, right? <laughs> That's kind of how it felt at times last year. Like we, you could tell very early, like, oh boy, it is getting late early. I don't want it to be that way in 24. And I think some of these moves at least help kick that, you know, it's getting late early thing down the line, at least a little bit to where it's like 90 degrees and not yep. 65. You know what I mean? 100%. Uh, so then the other move, this is the, the last of the free agent moves. We heard they were in on that wanting to get in on an outfield bat. We hadn't really heard who it was going to be or if they were even going to make that move at all. And then earlier this morning, Hunter Renfro on a on a one-year deal, $5.5 million with a player option for 2025 at $7.5 If you get closer to what he was in 2021 and 2022, sweet. That's a, that's a two, two-and-a-half win player, a lot of home runs, can hold his own in the outfield, strong arm, not going to like perfectly manageable strikeout walk rates. Sweet. Uh, last year, he was not near as good. I had a 92 weighted runs created plus, and for a guy that really is bat first and bat only, not not like he's a terrible fielder, but he, he, his value comes from his ability to rake. Uh, and he didn't do that for the majority of last season. So this is definitely a buy low move, but there's real power in there. It's a an established big league guy, and, he, again, and they've kind of hung in that low, you know, early 30s you know, for a lot of these guys, 32 years old for, for Hunter Renfro this season. Projected for a 105 weight runs created plus, 22% K rate. I like it. I think it's fine. Yeah, this kind of, I feel like that is what you were expecting to get if you were giving Edward Olivares everyday plate appearances. Uh, you might be a little bit more more speed and athleticism from all of ours on the base paths, whereas you're getting way more power from Hunter Renfro, which is kind of a weird thing to say. I know they were looking for right-handed corner outfield bats going into the season or going into the offseason, but Hunter Renfro is not your typical Royals guy, especially with Jason talking about they they want 
you know, on-base percentage is one of the big things. They don't want to really worry about power. They'd rather hit for average, keep the line moving, and contribute that way, which Hunter Renfro, like you said, the, the K to walk ratios are fine. He had a 20, was it 22.8% K rate? Yeah, 8% walk, walk rate. rate. That's fine. But he doesn't hit for average. He does hit for power. He's not very good in the outfield. Um, so it's very, it's a very weird signing in that way, but it's, it's, this lineup needs some power to it. That's the, I think that's the key thing. And, yes. and JJ talked about it and emphasized it at the deadline last year. Like we need right-handed power in this lineup. And now you're going to trot out a lineup most days with Bobby Wood Jr. Just hit 30 homers. Salvador Perez is hitting your 50th, you know, at various points in his career, at least has gotten into the, you know, high 20s, low 30s at various points. Nelson Velasquez, he's young and there is uh, still some question marks, but legitimate raw power to all fields. And then you add in Hunter Renfro. Those are four right-handed batters that can bang at any time. And then you add in the left-handed power of Vinny Pasquantino and MJ Melendez. And there's legitimate threats up and down this lineup. And you're not asking Hunter Renfro to come in and be your three-hole hitter. You're asking him to hit six. And if he can hit six for you and he'd pop you 18 to 20 homers this year and not be a black hole in the lineup, I think you're, you know, you're in really good shape if you're the Royals. And I think the I think the true value lies in the signing in the corresponding move. They've got to clear a roster spot. And we saw with the Taylor Clark trade, whenever they announced the Lugo signing, that they traded Taylor Clark for a couple of organizational depth with upside guys. What's going to happen in this when Hunter Renfro signs his contract and they need to add to the 40? The potential and the one that we keep seeing is a trade for some kind of controllable, we thought, starting pitcher. But I don't know where another acquisition fits into this rotation now. Um so I'm not 100% sure, but it gives them flexibility. It kind of takes me back to the Chiefs. Brett Veach always fills his needs with veterans through free agency before he goes into the draft, so his hand is not forced every time. You yeah. may need, you may have an idea as to what they need, and but they still have some kind of guy and veteran presence that could, in theory, fill it, but you could also go get a guy with more upside, with more you know potential down the road. That's what it kind of reminded me of at this point. So if MJ Melendez is included in a trade, if you have a guy like Tyler Gentry that could be going out on a trade, Nick Lofton, uh, he, with the Hampson signing and the Renfro signing, that's what it kind of sees. It kind of means to me. You can add flexibility to the roster maneuvering that's going to go on this year. So that's the Hunter Renfro was a weird signing in general, but I am coming around to it. It just tells me that there's another move coming. Like yep. another, not like a blockbuster move, but like it could be as simple as an Everett Olivares DFA, and you're just like, mm-hmm. thank you. Or it, it could be an MJ Melendez, <laughs> or maybe even a Tyler Gentry move. Like, yeah. Trading yeah. or like signing Hunter Renfro and blocking Tyler Gentry, I, I I don't know what that means for Tyler Gentry and like how they view him. Still got three options, so it's not like they, yeah, like it's not like you're they're giving up on him right away. But yeah. I don't know if that means that he's in their plans for 24 if you're signing for Hunter, signing Hunter Renfro. He's, you know, maybe uh, maybe you trade Renfro. Maybe Trent Renfro pops and has an awesome June, and you trade him in the middle of July, and then you bring Gentry up for a little like cup of coffee the last two months. Maybe that's the move. Um, yeah. But it is interesting considering how much we've heard. We've heard good things about Gentry. He has hit pretty much every level. Seems like he is big league ready based on how he did in the fall league. I don't know. There, 24 years old. Be a good... 
24 years old, three seasons in minor league baseball under his belt. He's only got 572 plate appearances, which they want 500 there for what we've seen in the past. So um, he could, he, I mean, he could do some growing. He was really hot there at the end of the year last year, but, you know, we'll see. It gives him flexibility. It's fine. Yeah. Tuck, if you wouldn't mind perusing the live chat here and pop any questions in here that you guys may have, we appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. Uh, Andrew Lee, do you guys think or agree that the Royals are trying to show life to make sure the Bobby Wood Jr. sees they're willing to win some new sides? I think there is an element of this. I think that's a great mm-hmm. point. Like, if, if the Royals cap off this offseason with a Bobby Wood Jr. extension, you won't hear much from me for quite a while. Go ahead and start putting up the foundations for that new stadium. Just pick, yes, like spot, you, I think. there is a lot of this, and this is not. This is going to sound worse than I mean it to be, but I do think a lot of this is trying to curry favor with the fan base. Like, not this is not fan service. Like, this is not citing Zach Greinke to bring him back. Go, hey, we have Zach Greinke again at thirty-eight years old. Like, thank, thank God, thank God. Yeah, like it, <laughs> this is way more of okay. We can't mess around. Like, we can't sit on our hands and try and develop and grow from within all of these guys. It's not going to work. We have to go outside the organization. They've done that six separate times in a couple of weeks to go and bring in fresh guys that are going to help the big league club win now. I am not saying the Royals are going to go from 56 wins to 80 wins, but if you see a significant improvement where they go from 56 to 70 or 72, which I think with the floor that these get that these signings allow this roster, I think is perfectly reasonable. Mm. And I think there's even room for growth within that, uh, especially if some of these younger guys, year two to year three, take a decent uh, leap. It'll be I, interesting I, to see, but I, my, I, it's where I fall on it. My mind immediately went to the Lugo signing and both Witt and Vinny, who are both very integral parts to the core moving forward. They both had the brick by brick emoji. Uh, yes. on Twitter. So I think that that is absolutely plays a part and it absolutely is a driver here uh, for these signings among, I mean, among trying to contend and try to show the fans that they're committed to spending money and doing things the right way. But it is absolutely sending a message to Bobby Witt and Vinny Pascotino at that point. And Michael Garcia was the other guy that they kind of said were the off limits to trade talks this off season. So those are the three that I think they're moving forward with. And it is definitely sending a message. All right, I think we got a couple more here, and then we'll get out of here. We appreciate you guys. Something popped up. Would the Royals consider a salary dump with Lyles and Melendez attached for a back-end starter? Maybe, but after the year that Jordan Lyles had last year, I don't think he's getting traded for anybody. Like I, it would be, and I know that Marcus Mead, Royals Weekly, brought it up. You have floated it that Jordan Lyles could be a little bit of a bounce-back candidate. Now, this is not us saying he's going to be an all-star, but not being a train wreck abysmal every fifth day is more of what we're thinking here. And I think if you have Jordan Lyles as your fifth starter, you give him the Grinky treatment, he doesn't go more than five innings, four at most, you limit his exposure, I think it's a perfectly viable five. Uh, If that's what you're asking him to do, which I think based on the way they have structured the rotation at this point by citing Lugo and Waka. I think that's what we're looking at. And I think that's going to be fine. Or you have Daniel Lynch. If he has a great spring, he's your five. And Jordan Lyles is your swing man out of the bullpen. Maybe his stuff ticks up a little bit. And you have 
something there. And maybe a team sees a long reliever and they're like, hey, let's let's go bite. If the Three team, and a half million team, dollars. Jordan Wiles, then heck, let him do it. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I'd give up Melendez, though. Like, I'm not ready to give up on MJ Melendez. Unless, I agree. unless the haul is significant. And he yeah, you're kind of pieces. I, I don't want to tell kinda given you're kind of giving up on both of them at their lowest. I think at that point, yeah. I think MJ showed a lot in the back half of the last year, and I think if you're doing a salary dump move, he's not the guy because he's also kind of shown that he is a little bit volatile too. So it just depends on what the other team values in that situation. So I think you're kind of giving up on both of them if you were able to do that. If you were trying to do a salary dump move, I think a guy like Lofton probably makes more sense to do that yeah, way. Yeah, uh, maybe a Carlos Hernandez. So, yeah. or a Veneziano, Alec Mar, some of those guys probably a little bit more likely to be involved in the salary dump move than MJ Melendez. Um, and I just wonder how much trade value MJ Melendez has standalone by himself. Um, so I, this is I'm not I'm not want to dive too far into this, but like this was the type of move I saw it was like it was a a Mariners like blog site. The Mariners were looking for left-handed bats in the outfield after they traded Kelnick. And the move that this, you know, thing they laid out was Emerson Hancock and Yonatan Classe for Champlain and MJ. And that move, heartbeat, I'd do it. Hmm. But I would not attach MJ at this point in a salary dump move. Because I just don't think the re- you're you're already not gonna get a good return for Miles. Like you're not gonna get anything. I don't think it moves the I don't think MJ moves the needle enough to even make it viable. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I think Miles has potential to break out, or I shouldn't say break out, but rebound to be an average pitcher. So that has value. It has value. It absolutely does. All right, let's hit one more question here. Who do you start opening day? Reagan's number one with the bullet, and you move on. Ooh. I'd start, I go. So the way I'd structure the rotation is I would go Reagan's, Lugo, Singer, Waka, Lyles. I think. I was thinking about this earlier. I would probably say Waka, Lugo, Reagans, Singer, Lyles, Lyles, Lynch. Waka, whatever, whatever Waka opening day? I think so because I think he has been around in that starting rotation through his career way longer than anybody else yeah. in that rotation. There's a little bit more pressure to that. I think he can keep you in the ball games longer and is less volatile than Seth Lugo and uh, Brady Singer. And I don't think I don't. I want Cole Reagans to be the opening day starter in 2025. So I will want him to have the least amount of pressure to go out there and become somebody in 2024. Does that make sense? And I feel like yeah, you know, the opening I, I, day starter is going to come with that pressure that we don't need to apply to him right now. I think that's very fair. I guess I'll look at it th- from this perspective too. What would get you out to the ballpark more? Seeing like we, you and I would go to opening day in a heartbeat no matter who's sure. pitching and who's playing. But yeah. for the casual Kansas City resident, like, hey, I want to go to opening day. To, you know, who's starting? What do you think moves the needle more? Cole Reagan starting based on the year he had last year or Michael Walker? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, from that lens, I think Cole Reagan's is definitely the move. And I think if I you're think looking at it, yeah, and I think if you're looking at it through the, that lens, I think Lugo may have a better argument because they put more money into Lugo than they did oh, to Walker. Fair. So, if it's Lugo, I won't be upset. I would right. just like it to to be Cole Reagans. Yeah, I'm totally in on that. It does. He was one of the three names floated to be the you know 
part of this rotation coming up this year. So it is in the running, but it's going to be one of those three, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. And there's, I don't think the Royals are done either. Like, I think the free agent stuff is probably done at this point. Like, I, based on the money they gave Waka, I don't think they're going to be in on Lucas Giolito. I don't think they're going to be in on Marcus Stroman. But they have to clear roster spots. And so I would not be sure. They have to clear three roster spots now uh, over the next couple of days. So I'll be interested to see if it's D, whether it's DFA, trade, what they do. But I don't think they're done making making moves in, in one way or another. I think we'll have some more stuff to talk about by Tuesday. Now now I can't not refresh Twitter expecting some kind of Royals news. That's where we are. Oh, you get those passive notifications all, baby, and you're good to yeah, go. It, I don't know what to do with my hands, Joel. I don't know what to do with my hands. Well, it is a lot of fun. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us uh, for those that are watching on YouTube and for those that are listening to this on the audio side later. Thank you very much. We will have more to talk about. We'll hit some more big picture stuff with Jordan on Tuesday. Uh, so be sure we record on Tuesday. You guys will see it on Wednesday. Uh, so be sure to check that out then. Uh, hit that like and subscribe button before you leave here today. We appreciate you guys. Go Royals. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.